Well, good morning again, and, and again, thank you for the opportunity. Um, they, and, and, and I do pray that our women at the retreat uh, were blessed and that they travel back safely, and we thank them for their uh, part in our families and in our lives. And so may God bless them as, as they had their retreat. So just want to start and let you guys know that my background has been physical education, and all of you guys know that. Uh, or if you don't know that, let, let me share that with you today. So as a child, I had a great childhood. I, I didn't do a lot of chores around the house. I was exempt. <laughs> I, I, I had practice. I had games. I didn't have to go do these things. And, and so that was easy. Uh, I, I, could, I could take a baseball and I could make it do this and make it do that or make it go this way and take a bat and teach people how to use them and how to be successful at it. And so that was easy to me. And so when I decided on a career, I, I decided on a teaching coaching career. And for sure enough, for the last 17 years or previous 17 years, I was a physical educator in college at the college. Pretty simple job. Loved it. Went to work, shorts, tennis shoes, T-shirts, sweaty. My wife and I would fight for white socks every morning. <laughs> it was easy. I remember going to a Christmas party with the Bread of Life. And in this Christmas party, they asked. It was one of these games that we played where the women were in a room and the men had to leave. And then the men came in and the women had to leave. Well, I, I, I think it was at Right Friday's house maybe. And we were in there and they would ask the question, what is the most tool used by your husband? And my poor wife, she like thought and thought, and, and I, she had no answer. And the only thing she could probably think of that day was a screwdriver. And I'm like, yeah, holy cow, because if you look at our church and who makes up our church, I mean, jackhammers. Nail guns, pliers, screwdrivers, I mean, skill saws, driving bobcats, skid steers. I know nothing of these tools. I know nothing about this. I would probably burn the transmission on some of these things. It wouldn't work after I got through with it. I mean, look around this room. The Hebert's, the Fry's, Mark, Landry's. Kent probably knows every tool that was ever invented that came through his store. Andrew Webb, everybody, you guys are amazing. And I know nothing of tools. And so my wife was correct when she said a screwdriver. <laughs> but even during our church work days, I cringe. Jenna gets up there and writes these things on the board, and it says, like, to build? No. Like, to construct? No. To hang? No. I'm afraid if you gave me the opportunity to hang something, you close the door and it would fall. It would break and it would cost the church more. I, I don't do these things. I'm looking for the list that Janet writes is like mopping, sweeping, dusting, vacuuming. I did good the other day. And truly, that's my contribution. I am self-proclaimed the best dishwasher this side of the Rio Grande. How's that? I can wash dishes with the best of them. These 
ladylike job. Sorry, ladies. But yeah, this, this is what I do. I mean, Eddie Stewart comes in here and he's, he's hurting and he's still getting at these things. Bless his heart. I can't do those things. I mean, like I'm jockeying position in front of the women to get a job that's a lady's job that I'm trying to just hide in the background so the men don't realize what I'm doing. I'm not good at these things. And in my career, after teaching, I now have been blessed and given the responsibility of a vice president of administrative services. And what does that mean? That means I'm over the cafeteria. That means I'm over housing. That means I'm over the daycare. It means I'm over the IT, and it means I'm over the maintenance department. Well, if you start looking at the IT department, I, I, I fit underneath there where Nathan, I even broke Nathan's little thing already today. And now we're talking about Internet. We're talking about switches, routers, drops, IP addresses. And then I got maintenance. You know my maintenance story. I don't do maintenance. I have to learn these things. So you see, I'm at a point where I realized I can't do these things. I'm at a point in my life that I need help. It's amazing how God works. I remember several years ago when I was still at the college, I was doing an FCA group. And right Friday, Noel Troxclair were there as well. And I took a group of kids from our college to San Antonio. And this gentleman named Chad Hennings was, was, was given his testimony that day. Now, if you don't know who Chad Hennings is, Chad Hennings was an Air Force Academy graduate. Go back and do the, the homework. 45 missions in northern Iraq. Chad Hennings was an NFL football player. I'm going to say he was 6'4", 250 pounds. He could probably run a 4'6", 40. He could probably bench over 500 pounds. Incredible, amazing. And Chad Hennings got up there and was sharing his testimony. And he says, when I flew these pilots, these, these jets, when I was a pilot and I flew these jets, he said, tremendous control over a multi-million dollar aircraft. He says, precision. He says, maneuverability. All of this was at the control of his hands. He says, I'm a thumb away from a laser, from a rocket launch. He says, what power, what destruction I could do. Incredible power, and it was all at my fingertips. And he says, as an NFL player, he said, those guys would come at me, and I would just hold them up, and I would throw them. And this is how we advanced, because I, I was this and I was that. And he literally, coach, he literally says, if I put my whole football gear on, he says, and I could run, and I can run right through that wall. And he believed he could. It was an incredible testimony of his life, and that's who he was. Until he was humbled, humbled a little bit like I just got to you, to tell you. He was humbled because his son Chase had an autoimmune disease. His immune system was attacking himself. And here he said, I can do all of these things, but here lies my child, and I cannot help he says, here's my infant, and I can't do anything about it. He says, all the power, all the tools that I have, I cannot do anything about it. 
He says, I had to rely on God. I had to rely on God to intervene. And that's one of the first things that I share with you. In my profession, what I used to do was easy. Now what I do, and, and I willingly accept that. I willingly accept my new position, but I know I need help. And how do I do it? Well, obviously, that's what I want to share with you today. One of the answers that I did want to share with you wasn't a screwdriver, and I can't find it now, was my pen. My pen. What a wimpy tool. My pen is what I use now in my prayer time. Because I couldn't do these things. I had to sit down and I had to write. I started writing my prayers. I started writing my petitions. Author John Westenberg says, writing changes lives. Writing is a road map. It helps me find my way and I can relate. He also goes on to say, if I don't write, I won't affect the world around me. That opened my eyes. I realized that God's intervention through me was not through skid steers, was not through skill saws. It, it was through a pen. And you can go back and look at my home, and I've got a bunch of little notebooks all gathered together. Why? Because I realized I couldn't do this without him. I can't do this without his help. And that was the power that I sit Early in the morning, my quiet time, and I and it's not about me. It's, it's about me being a teacher again and me teaching you something to go home with today. To find that time, to find that specific time in the day that you sit and you sit with God. And you sit or maybe you write your prayers because I'm telling you, it might not be for all of us, but it might be for one of you out there. It might be for some of you out there. To find my way, to ask God through a petition, to know my inner feelings on paper. I sit at 5 a.m. and I know exactly where I sit. The lighting is great. My coffee is hot. I've got a notebook. I've got my Bible. And i got my wimpy pen. My wimpy pen turned powerful. What do I pray for? How much is there to pray for? Look to the right, look to the left of you. A friend, a spouse, a son, a daughter. How many different things are there in their lives that we need to pray about? As those of us who are just getting married. And those of us who have been married for 25 years. And those of us who have been married for 50 years. How much more is there to pray about? And for those of us who have infants. And for those of us who have young children. And for those who have, who have middle-aged children, tell me you have something to pray about. Tell me for those of us who have worked a career who are just beginning within zero to five years. Or the career for 15 years. Or for some of those of us who are near the end of our careers. Tell me you have something to pray about. In-laws. Future spouses. The attack of the world. 
And you could even go back and say, all right, I got maintenance. Well, I got maintenance at my own home. I truly, truly pray for our grass, for our trees. I truly pray my house doesn't break down because I can't fix it. How much is there to pray about? I pray for our vehicles. I pray that we travel, and I do travel with my son quite a bit. I, I pray that we have no instances, nothing that goes wrong with us. I pray that the vehicle goes and comes as is. I pray for our finances. There's so much to pray for. If you follow on Second Chronicles 1 7. I'll read. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God. See, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed, for you have made me a king over people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of ours? And I pray for wisdom and knowledge. And I pray for discernment. So who am I to lead an institution in this area of Uvalde and the students that attend in Eagle Pass and that community, in Del Rio in that community, and Crystal City and Pearsall and Hondo? Who am I to do this when I know not a whole lot about maintenance, when I know not a whole lot about IT? But it's my responsibility. And what a blessing that we have for higher learning education to be right here in our communities. An affordable education. And I have an opportunity to lead. Well, so did Solomon. And he notes it in there and he says, king over a people. But how does that relate to you? Andrew and Amy, you've got a little one. And you guys will be king over these people. You guys get to decide. You guys get to influence in new lives. And I'm looking at you guys. And I'm looking at you guys back there who just started again. What a great opportunity that you have. And what an opportunity that you have to pray for wisdom and discernment. And I look at our pastor and our pastor gets up here every week. Lord, bless you with wisdom and discernment, Pastor, when you get up here and you lead a congregation. It's incredible. It's a great blessing for us. What a tool. What a whippy pin as a tool. I need it. Solomon was to build the temple. Again, I thank God for the place of higher education in our community and in this region. Society pays for an education. And the students that we have are coming to get a certificate or an education. And what a great opportunity that they have. And what a great opportunity that I have to lead with them. So what am I to build? What else am I to build? Once again, I ask you, what areas in your life are you still building? 
I look at our retired pastor. What are you still to build, pastor? You still have value. You still can give. Have you been to the bread of the cup of life room lately? Have you seen Kurt Johnson's artwork lately? Beautiful, Kurt. Moving, powerful. What a talent. What a skill. So there's still things to build. Nate, you got your dad's farm. What a blessing. And you got to keep leading. And you got to keep building. Yeah, I pray for the work that I have to do. I pray for myself. I pray for the changes that I need to make. I pray for the changes to come from the inside out. What about you? May your writing increase your relationship with Christ. And that's what we're here for. It's all about our relationships. Like I said, I sit at the same place, the same time. Lady came into the college and said, make sure that you're learning all on a consistent basis. And she went around the room and did a workshop and said, all right, if we had to learn something, what time would you start learning? And she said, let's start at 5 a.m. No one raised their hand. How about 6? And that's when I started raising my hand. But I was one of the few in the room. Then they got to like 10 p.m. and people are raising their hands at 10 p.m. I'm like, holy cow, I'm ready for bed at 930. What do you mean you're about to learn something? And it was consistency. And they asked them, and when you are learning, what is the lighting like? What is your, where are you sitting at? What do you have? Is the music on? Is the music off? And some of you guys need to find that prayer time in your own lives. Some of you guys may be drinking a Coke. Some of you guys may be doing it at night. Some of you guys may be doing it during lunchtime because you know you're awake. You're fired up right after lunch. You have to decide that. You have to find your time. I'm always, I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. The lady in the white with progressive insurance, 15 minutes can save you 15%. 30 minutes can save me 100%. How's that? Well, there's a change. Yeah. 15 minutes can save progressive insurance, can save them 50%. But really, 30 minutes can save you 100% under the umbrella of God. Hmm. I sit with a pen. I sit with a notebook. As Solomon said, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. And you have people to lead as well. So what am I after? I'm after comfort. Really. I'm after peace. I'm after decisions that are going to be effective. I, I don't want to make the wrong decision. So then I open my Bible in Isaiah 40. And I hear this. And it rings right to me. 
Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. If I can dissect that a little bit. In the desert. Don't, isn't there alone times with you? Don't, don't you feel like you're alone? Don't you feel like you're in the desert where it's hot, it's dry, nothing around you, no life. It's just you. And to change that. And to change that life to say, make straight in the wilderness. And what's a wilderness look like? I, I visualize a jungle. I visualize all these trees and these dead limbs falling right in the path and having to jump. And then you hear these voices that are going around uh, or these sounds that are going around that you can't, you, you don't know what they are. But I'm wondering if those are some of the same voices that are calling on me and asking me to do things in my life, whether they're good or bad. I need help is my point. Who are those voices? What are those voices? Where are they coming from? Make straight in the wilderness. Take away those trees. Take away those paths. A highway. What's a highway system like? Smooth, clear, fast. An opportunity to get to God. And that every valley that goes down, is that an emotional low? Because, woe, it's me. I feel sorry for myself because all of all of these things that are just coming at me, it can't. But that's the valley. And so we turn our emotions around. And every mountain, too tough to climb, too hard. It's a battle. And life might seem that way to you at times. You're in the desert or you're in the wilderness you're going through the valleys or you're having to climb up mountains? And the answer is prayer. The answer is time with God. My answer is writing. My answer is getting my pen out to help me so that the rough ground shall be made level. In verse 10, and here's the, the, the greatest comfort of this. In verse 10, he says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arms rule for him. Amen. Come, dear Lord, because I'm not going to rule. I am going to do your will in my life. Come, dear Lord, and use your power. And then in verse 11, which I think is interesting, he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. You're looking at a powerful God. You're looking at Chad Henning having this powerful jet. And yet this same God that just grabs us and brings us in his arms and holds us dear to his heart. The same God that can be as destructive and powerful as loving and caring. Amazing. 
And I think he, I, I appreciate the way they put it. So what is trust? And what is, how do we define trust? And so I'm telling you that I write. I'm telling you that I read. I'm telling you that Facebook isn't and doesn't have all the answers. I'm telling you Snapchat is, Snapchat is only instant gratification. It's not truth. It's a temporary fix. What else are we reading? What else are we bringing to our lives What else are we trying to put in to get out? If it's filth, filth will come out. If there are more truths, then the more truth will come out. The definition of trust, how I trust in the word, is firm belief in the reliability, ability, or strength of someone or something. Now follow me again. So why do I sit with my pen and why do I sit with my Bible? Because my trust level on God's word is extremely high. If I didn't have that trust level, I wouldn't be at the same spot that I am every morning, every day. I have that trust. I firmly believe in the reliability of God. I firmly believe in the strength of God. Go to verse 12, Nathan, please. And I'm going to pull out some of these things. The strength of God. Well, who do you compare your strength to? So who has measured the waters? Who has marked off the heavens? Or weighed the mountains on scales? Tell me you have. Tell me you know someone who's that powerful and that mighty. I don't know anybody. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? How powerful is God? Who did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Verse 18. To whom then will you compare God? So we're talking about the power the reliability and our trust in God. I love it. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told from you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Verse 22. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Praise God. All that you do, Jerry... He knows. In verse 25, to whom will you compare me? He asked again, or who is my equal? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, none of them is missing. What power? What clarity. What a God to rely on. What a God to trust in. And that's who we are. You see my wimpy pen? (laughs) My wimpy pen found me. My wimpy pen has allowed me to open my heart even more so. 
I, I, I couldn't put that nail gun on a roof. Look, it would take me two shingles before I nailed my own finger to that thing. I wouldn't get very far. My greatest resources, my pen, my Bible. That is my tool. That is my powerful tool. So you look and try to see what other tools God has. In Ephesians 6.11, he talks about the armor of God. Well, yeah, those are tools. Those are tools that he's provided. The armor of God says the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Yeah, those are tools. Great tools given to us by God. Great tools for us to have, for us to use, to fight off the enemy, to change our lives. A couple of other tools that I visited with my friend Elias this past week. He sends his regards. He sends his love. He's still at it. And so I was sharing with Elias what I was going to share today. And so then we got down to a few other things. And with my broken Spanish, it was hard for me and difficult for me to explain some other tools that I think God gives. God's tool of grace. God's tool of peace, love, joy. And my friend Elias says, those are the results of your tools. Which, I, I'm not a pastor, I don't know. But if you would think with me today... And say, those are tools. God's grace, the free and unmerited favor of God. To use that as a tool for my life. God's grace to accept and to give. Peace. How many of us went freedom from disturbance. Just our time with God, just our walk with God, our daily jobs with God. There's this lady at work. She's a Christian woman. And she's, her testimony says, and she smiles and says, give God a chance and you'll be amazed at what he can do. Yes, give God a chance. Do it in your way. How about joy, the great pleasure and happiness? How about love, an intense feeling of deep emotion? How much do we love our children? How much do we love our spouses? How much more is there out there? What, what do we need to pray for? I mean, you could think about in-laws that need prayer. You could think about relatives, neighbors. We could think about this neighborhood that needs prayer. Do you not know what Isaiah chapter 40 says? Have you not heard? Have you not been told about the power of God? Who knows every story host by name? That's my God. That's who I serve. That's who I need in my life. I can't do it. I surrender all. I can't do this.
It's a powerful tool. The word of God. I know Andrew came over here and shared that. Andrew shared that he grew up in a church home. Not all of us did. We all had to learn it. I learned it. I'm trying to share that with you today. This is how it works for me. This is what I have to say. There are so many tools that we can use, so many blessings that we have, been re- we have received. The power of God. But there was no greater tool than he used than the cross. How many examples of our lives can we give that we have to go back and rely on the cross? For God's only begotten son, he came for us to die on the cross. Now, looking at the cross as a tool, a God's tool for us, God's tool for communion to come and receive because of the cross. It's amazing. It's powerful. That's all I have. That's all I need to have. God is amazing. And I encourage you, again, for your relationship, for your time alone. If it works writing, write. If it works reading, read. God is looking at you. God has called you here today. God has put a tremendous responsibility on you for the people in your life, just like he did Solomon. And Solomon prayed for wisdom. Solomon prayed for discernment. I do that every day before I go to work. And I encourage you to do that the same. If you will join us in communion, uh, once again, uh, we do have visitors or guests. Uh, This is an open communion. Uh, We have communion every Sunday, and we welcome you. For those assisting in communion, you'll want to come on up.